Welcome to Sam's Business Growth Show. I'm Sam Dunning, a digital marketing, sales, and business growth evangelist. Tune in and subscribe today as I'll be interviewing business leaders, experts, and entrepreneurs from around the globe. You'll be learning their story, how digital marketing has helped them along the way, and exclusive tips and insights to help you skyrocket your own business. And welcome back to the show. I'm excited to be joined by Josh Braun today. Josh is the founder at Sales DNA. He's the host of Inside Selling Podcast and the video series, I Teach My Wife Sales. He's author of the Badass B2B Growth Guide. And Josh helps salespeople and entrepreneurs who are sending lots of cold emails but getting little to no responses to create a sales system for generating a steady flow of meetings with their prospects. Josh, how are you doing, man? Welcome to the show. You said that better than I did. How'd you get to know that so well? It's amazing. Thanks for having me. So really excited to speak to you, Josh, and myself and everyone tuning in, I'm sure, are keen to learn some of your wizardry when it comes to cold outreach, cold emails, because you're the man, man. Some of those LinkedIn posts you've been putting out lately, I'm just thinking, how does he think of this? It's blowing my mind, dude. I've never, I've never seen these kinds of outreach, so we'll get into that soon, I hope. Um, sure. But before we get into these juicy digital marketing recommendations and learn a bit more about how you grow your business, it'd be great to learn a bit more about yourself, Josh. So if you could share some light on kind of where you grew up, how you got into business and some of the key roles that, or key jobs rather that you've had over the years and perhaps some of the lessons um, you learned, that'd be awesome, dude. Yeah. So my first sales job was selling to five-year-olds the love of reading and writing and creating. So I was an elementary school teacher and it turns out that selling and teaching are very closely aligned. You have to be able to communicate in ways that inspire people to care and be motivated to learn more and persuade them to take action. And so I really learned how to sell by selling the love of reading and writing to kindergarten students um, and first grade students. So I spent about eight or nine years or so in elementary school. And from there, if not for that faithful day when I was in the gym overhearing someone talk about something called a dot-com, which I had never heard of before, I probably would still be teaching. I was actually pursuing my doctorate degree to be a principal oh, wow, in okay. elementary school. Yeah, I really, I really enjoyed it. But I was in the gym one day and I overheard a couple of guys talking about something called a dot-com. And I didn't know what that was, but it was a startup. I didn't know what that was, but I heard the word educational startup and they were starting an online school for homeschool kids. And right. I started talking to the founder there and one thing led to another. Uh, he was a great salesperson and uh, persuaded me to leave teaching and work for a company called Child U, where I started to develop my chops in selling. And we uh, had an acquisition that we had through a company that bought us and I stayed in educational sales and product development for a long time uh, before actually developing my own system to be able to help people do what it is that I was doing. Was that a tough transition, Josh, going from the education route to into sales? Or was it no. easy for you? No, I think, it's, I, I think when you are a, a teacher, a lot of the skills that you learn as a teacher apply to when you're selling um, I was fortunate that I didn't go through a formal sales curriculum. Uh, so early on, I learned how to think like a buyer and how to teach. And it turns out that those two things really are aligned with how people like to be approached by salespeople. A lot of the traditional sales materials that I read are very focused on how to sell. 
And unfortunately, the selling process is often very different than the buying process. Um, the teaching routes also help me explain things. Um, it turns out that a lot of people have a hard time explaining things, um, whether it's in email or presentations or on a cold call. And a lot of times they're very confusing. They use all sorts of buzzwords that they would never use if they were just having a conversation with someone. So because I have roots in education, um, I understand how to explain things in ways that are interesting and informative and also clear. And so I think, again, a lot of the skills, you know, translate. Definitely. And from my experience, I'd say that's something that's somewhat lacking, especially in the sales profession, clarity and getting a clear message across. Well, look, man, I, I, a while back, I guest lectured at the University of South Carolina. And while I was there, I sat in on a few classes and the professors, they knew their domain, just like I'm sure salespeople know their domain. But most lectures I sat in were boring and they didn't inspire me. And, and some of them were even downright confusing. And like anything that you're good at, whether you have a hobby or anything, um, explanation is a skill. Um, understanding how people learn is a skill. People go to school for four years to learn how to be a teacher. And so oftentimes it's a skill we take for granted. We think, oh, I can just explain stuff. And it turns out the majority of people are terrible explainers. And they just confuse people. And as Donna Miller says from StoryBrand, when you confuse, you lose. Uh, because people just have to burn too many calories figuring out what the heck you're talking about. Really good point, especially when there's so many technology companies, software as a service companies that are selling such complex solutions now that do so many different things. Getting that into something perhaps you understand after you've had your training as a sales rep, but then putting it across to your customer, not always an easy task, right? Well, the problem is, is that you think you have to talk about your solution and your solution really doesn't have any inherent value without a problem. And so when you start to lead with the benefits of your solution and you start talking about your product and you're talking to people that are already getting the job done the best way they know how, there's this incongruence that's created, especially when you're going outbound. And so when you're vomiting that stuff at people, typically you don't get the response rates that you want to get. And again, this, get, this really gets back to fundamentally understanding how your prospect is getting the job done today and what sucks about it. And the challenge is, is that most salespeople have never done the job of the person that they're reaching out to. So they end up speaking a different language. They're not speaking the lingo. They're very generic, they're using a lot of buzzwords and therefore they get ignored. They're yet another white circle in a sea of white circles. They're not like the green circle. Got it, got it. So what, what we're saying is a lot of salespeople don't really know or not necessarily even just salespeople, business owners, small business owners, whatever, don't really know the language that their, their idle customers are speaking, how they want to be spoken to and these kind of things. Um, perhaps we could get into that shortly and how the best way is to, to understand that. Um, but what, was the next, what was the next journey for you, Josh? So you got into sales, you, you started doing well, right? And you, I know you've worked for some, some fairly sizable companies as well over the years until, until you founded Sales DNA. So yeah, perhaps. I worked for a company called uh, Jelly Vision, and we made the complicated subject of medical benefits and selecting your med medical benefits easier to understand. And so I worked there in a sales capacity for a while, and then I uh, headed up sales at a company called Basecamp that sells uh, project management software, collaboration software, uh, before deciding to go out on my own 
Uh, I think it's been about two and a half, three years ago. Got it. Cool, man. So in terms of um, business growth or marketing or sales strategies, were there any lessons or stories that you could share with us that might be of value to our audience, which are typically business owners, sales professionals, or marketing professionals that happened um, at those organizations you were at until you decided to go out on your own? Yeah, I'll tell you the, the number one uh, lesson that I learned, uh, which is most people don't know what makes the person that they're reaching out to happier. Like, it's really as simple as that. Let, let's actually talk a little bit about what I mean by happiness. Because what makes you happy, Sam, as a young, good-looking guy out there, is different than what makes me happy. So your prospects, what makes people happy? Well, there's really three things and only three things that make people happy, um, work-related, right? Happier at their job. Um, I happen to be a triathlete, so I'm going to tell you all these stories through the lens of being a triathlete, but you could certainly apply them to your prospects. So thing number one is I'm going along on my bike and I have a flat tire. It would make me happier if you can give me a new tire so I can get on my way. That's, that's an inbound lead. Like you're going to get those and those are fine. Um, but those people are also going to be looking at lots of different tire companies shopping it around. Um, the next bucket is I walk into a bike store and I don't really need new tires. I'm going there to get maybe some powdered drink. And the person that owns the store approaches my bike. He looks at my tire and he says, hey, Josh, are you aware that the tread on your tire is a little low? And therefore, the next time you go out on a long ride, you could get a flat. Now, notice what he didn't do. He didn't say, do you have any problem with your bike? Because I would have said no. He didn't say, what are the problems with your tires? I would have said, I don't have any. What this person did is he shined a light on a problem I didn't know that I had. And the terrible thing that would happen if I kept going with my current tires. So that's bucket number two, which is what bad thing might happen to me? What's the risk? It's the same reason why when I walked into a running store and didn't need anything and the associate said, have you ever had a running gait test? And I said, no. And then moments later, I'm on a treadmill. And she said, you realize you have a pronated feet. She's showing me the video. She goes, you know, if you run in sneakers that are not made for pronated feet, you can get injured. If you'd like, we could check to see if your sneakers are made for pronated feet. And all of a sudden, I'm buying a new pair of sneakers. See what, see what they're doing there is they're actually shining a light. Another example, I got an email not too long ago from a company called Adams Car Wash. And the line in the email said, how do you know that your wash mitt isn't scratching your car? I said, what the hell are you talking about? Turns out that when you dip your sponge in a bucket with dirty water, you could scratch your car and they sell a new type of bucket that has a grate on the bottom that actually jostles the dirt loose to the bottom so you don't scratch your car. So these are not problems I'm aware of. These are problems that, that are being illuminated. So that's bucket number two. Got it. How do I get rid of a problem that I don't even know I have versus one that I have? And then bucket number three is the most exciting one. Very few people talk about is I go, I walk into the same bike store and I just bought tires a few months ago. And the associate said, hey, Josh, I'm not sure if you've ever heard of these Continental 5000s, but they're more puncture resistant and they're faster. So I call that the aspiration bucket. People always want to go further faster. Self-betterment is wired into our DNA. It's why you're listening to this podcast. 
And it's much more fun to talk about aspirational things than problems, especially to people that you don't know. So again, the three reasons people buy, the three reasons that would make someone happier if you brought them some ideas, you know, get rid of a problem I have that's inbound. Tell me about something that's a problem that can harm me that I don't know about or shine a light on a missed opportunity and make sure the idea that you're bringing is a new idea, not something I've heard before. Like that wash mitt thing wasn't, hey, Josh, do you know if you eat a lot of fried chicken and don't exercise, you're going to gain weight? Yeah, I knew that. It was some new angle, new perspective, new take. And that's going to get, that's kind of the fundamental shift that you have to get uh, before you actually start, you know, messaging is understanding those jobs and aspirations or, you know, potential problems people have. I love number two, because it's just something that I never see. I never, ever see it. I mean, I, I've not, I'm guilty of not really doing it myself. And I've never been had a cold outreach where someone's cold call me, cold email me, whatever, with that kind of um, prospective activity, really. It just not, doesn't happen. So I'm interested to know, Josh, how you learned that. Is it from your own experience or how you've kind of learned this, this technique? Because it sounds awesome to me, outlaying a way which basically you're saying, look, if, if you carry on like this, this bad thing's going to happen. Now, here's what we it's not, yeah, and It's not always a bad thing, right? Sometimes it's a positive thing. So okay. I'll give you where I, where I kind of pick this up. Uh, you're way too young to remember this, but there used to be these things called, called Blackberries. They were before the iPhone. Oh, yeah, awesome. the phone, yeah. They used to call them Crackberries because they were so addictive, <laughs> and they were, they were awesome. I mean, they were, they were phenomenal. Until, and I remember this like it was yesterday, I saw Steve Jobs unveil the first iPhone. And if you haven't seen that keynote, go watch it because he's a master storyteller. And all of a sudden, my BlackBerry had a bunch of problems. I didn't know I had, you know, these keys don't move. The problem is that's what the BlackBerry, they're not really that smart. You know, based on the app, you can't really change the keys and they're stuck here. It's like when first class happened, I didn't have a problem with coach until I saw first class. So that was very instrumental in this idea of making people think differently. I think when you do outreach, the idea is to make people think differently, not to pitch. Because when you come across too strong in an email, it's a turnoff. But when you make people think differently by these questions, like we'll do one on you. So, I mean, you know, you, you know what, what a lot of podcast hosts hate about running a podcast is editing. Things like removing ums and ahs, normalizing audio, creating show notes, IP3 tagging for iTunes. Would you be open to a lesser known idea that other podcast hosts are using, like Josh Braun, that upload a podcast edited with show notes in less than 15 minutes? What, 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 is, what is that, right? So that, that's, that's, knowing what would make you happier because if you're like me or on a podcast, you know, that's a kind of a painstaking process. It's funny you should bring it up actually, Josh, because I've literally just started outsourcing the work for my podcast to a friend because I was getting so overwhelmed by it. Trying to put out three episodes a week was, was taking up a lot of my time and it was starting to affect my selling time. So yeah. it's, it's funny that you should bring that subject up because it's very, very relevant right now for me. That, and that's, and that's, a, that's a key thing is because I've done the job that you're doing. And that's why I was able to say, remove ums and ahs, normalize EQ level, show notes, tagging for iTunes. Like the reason I'm able to be crispy and specific is because I've done the, I've done the job. Salespeople, entrepreneurs that are selling to people where they've never done the job, they don't sound like that. They sound like this. 
hey, uh, Sam, I'm going to help you optimize your podcast in a 360 degree platform. Like, what the F is that? Like, what do you mean? It's just not crispy. So true. Right? Love that. Love that, man. Okay. Awesome. So, um, yeah, so you worked at some big organizations, like you were saying, Josh, and then you decided to take the leap to start your own business, right? You started off on your own. What, what was the process behind that? What was the thinking? What made you decide to, to go out alone? A momentary lapse in judgment. Huge mistake. No, I, you know, I, uh, I have a strong passion for teaching. As I mentioned earlier in the podcast, I wanted to be an elementary school principal. And if not for that fateful day in the gym, I would be an elementary school teacher. So my roots are in education. I worked at Nickelodeon as well, uh, teaching the child actors when they weren't on set and also cutting up melon for them as well and getting them chicken wings. But that's another story for another <laughs> podcast. My roots are in education. And then I sort of accidentally fell into sales. Um, and now I'm able to combine both of those pieces. And so it was really a, a passion of mine. And I, I, a couple of years ago, decided to, to give it a try. I also had a really great mentor at Jellyvision. Uh, my boss at the time, CEO of Jellyvision, Amanda Lannert, who actually was instrumental in getting me in front of some people doing some volunteer work. Okay. Uh, teaching sales, which I had never done before and actually ended up fighting around it because I'm like, why would they want to hear from me? And really loved that experience. And that sort of set me down the path of sell selling and teaching. And okay. I still volunteer a lot for um, early stage companies. I'm working with some, some right now, but I really enjoy uh, teaching people how buyers buy. Awesome. And how was it starting up your business, Josh? Was it hard work? Did you already have a client list ready to rock and roll? Or were you starting from the ground up? Tell us a bit more about how you, how you managed to build it up. You know, I put on the website and then I went to bed. And the next day there was like $50,000 transferred into my bank account. It was incredible. The dream. It was amazing. I don't even understand how it happened. No, it, you know, it took a couple of years. Uh, the, the number one thing that helped me grow my business was when I stopped thinking about how to grow my business, I stopped looking at internet marketing. I, st I stopped looking at all that stuff. And all I started doing is just teaching. I just got on LinkedIn and I just started teaching. I viewed myself as a teacher and my audience as students. And I would create posts every day on topics that I thought were interesting to me and hopefully to other people using experiences that happened in my life. And that has been instrumental in helping me generate a consistent flow of conversations and revenue for my, my guides and my courses and my, my challenges online and my speaking gigs. Um, it's, been, it's been phenomenal. Brilliant. So LinkedIn's had a pretty big part to play, it sounds like. It's not so much the platform as it is, do you, can you teach people things that are useful, that make them smarter about a topic they're interested in? And can you do it in a way that not only informs, but that's a little different take on something. And can you do it in a way that's actually entertaining? Um, so I'm really big on storytelling the series that I have with my wife. We do, there's lots of ways you can teach sales, but when I bring my wife into it, something happens with her, with her mother-in-law, with her mom, and we talk about it and there's a sales lesson. It's just another interesting way to, to teach. And so I'm always thinking of ways, how can I teach things in ways that are entertaining, um, informative, that will also help people get smarter about things they care about. I'm meticulous about, about the teaching. I'm, I'm always thinking about how do, how do I teach this concept in a way that is going to be entertaining to people? 
So each post is, is typically thought of in the context of some, you know, story. It's usually not, you know, facts spit at you like Ben Stein of Ferris Bueller fame, because I, I don't want to put people into a sleep-induced coma. Again, I'm using references, Sam, that you have no idea of because you're a young guy. You're uh, Ferris Bueller, I've seen. Ferris Bueller's Day Off, great film. Oh, okay, all right, film. good. Good, good, good. You're with me. <laughs> but no, I love what you said, entertaining, informative, and also teaching. So I know, Josh, I spend sometimes, I, I get up in the morning, what I should be doing is prepping my LinkedIn post for the week because I like to put out content just like you pretty much every day. That way I'm staying top of mind for my other prospects, building my network and building a steady stream of inbound opportunities, which anyone tuning in that's not yet doing it, please do, because it's going to grow your business. LinkedIn's the long game and it's going to help you build up a personal brand and get leads. But yeah, sometimes I just- It's not a personal brand. So that's the thing. It's just just you. Like you're not, you're not a brand, you're a person. And it's not just posting stuff because you can post stuff and it's junk. So, true. <laughs> so yeah, you have to, you have to have some unique point of view and you have to level up how to teach and how to explain. So how do you do that? Well, you learn how people learn. you get a book called how people learn. You get a book called the art of explanation. You study people that are great explainers. You start to read articles that you really like and you start to study the structure and you start to mimic it. Um, but you're just not posting just anything because the world is going to ignore you if you're just posting did you know if you eat fried chicken all the time and don't exercise, you're going to gain weight? Like, it's not interesting. So you have to be interesting. Otherwise, people aren't going to be interested. I'm enjoying this, man. You answered the question before I asked it. So I was going to ask, how do you think? Because I know sometimes in the morning when I get up and I want to put out a LinkedIn post straight away, I'm thinking, I want to tell a story. I do want it to be quite entertaining. I want it to get traction. I want it to be informative. And I want it to be a subtle hint at the problems that my product solves. So like you say, consuming content in that way makes sense. Yeah, I don't, I don't really care about traction. Okay. I don't care about views or gain. Like I, I just, if you, if you start thinking about traction, um, it sets all sorts of weird behavior in place. You keep checking stuff, you get depressed if it doesn't get whatever <laughs> traction, whatever the fuck that means even. Yeah. Just find out what would make people happier, what topics they care about, and hopefully you have a, you have a take on those. And if you don't, then... And you can't, <laughs> you have to have, you have to have to, an interesting take and an interesting perspective. And then yes, you have to be consistent. Um, you know, you have to like a 401k plan, you make these deposits and you're not going to see anything day to day, but over the course of a couple of years, these invisible salespeople, which are your posts keep working for you. Like this podcast that we're doing, you know, I, I, I get people calling me from podcasts that I've done. I don't even remember the podcast. It was so long ago. You know, so these, these agents work on your behalf while you're sleeping there, your invisible sales force. Um, if you can sort of crack the code on the art of explanation and having something interesting to say, that isn't just something everyone else is saying. Got it. But again, Love it's it. not a brand, dude. You're just a person. You're not a brand. Just, <laughs> you're just a person saying some stuff. I've been talking to Daniel Disney too much, man. I don't know who that is. <laughs> uh, okay. We'll have to introduce you. He's a, he's a guest we had. He's, he's a bit of a LinkedIn guru. But we'll I can't him. meet anybody during quarantine. I'm not meeting anybody. Not even virtually. <laughs> you can never be too safe. <laughs> right. LinkedIn aside, let's, let's move on to some other marketing channels. Um, so we know that you're a bit of an email cold outreach wizard. So I'm guessing that's one of your favorite channels. Perhaps not. But tell us a bit more about some of the digital marketing channels. Don't necessarily even have to be digital. Perhaps some digital, some offline channels that you've had success with 
that you recommend that any business should be looking at? So have you ever seen a good movie? I have. Have you ever seen a bad movie? Of course. Have you ever read a good book? Sure. Ever read a bad book? Sure. So it's not the book. It's not the movie. It's not LinkedIn. It's not video. It's not cold email. It's not voicemail. It's not video. It's not holograms. It's not whatever the next thing is. Those are just delivery mechanisms. Those things are going to change all the time. It's the person at the center of that that never changes. It's a person you're trying to communicate with to make them happier. So you have to start understanding who that person is. And it's one person. It's not a company. It's not an industry. It's not a culture. It's a, it's a person working at a desk, trying to get his or her job done the best way they know how. They're in the kitchen trying to make French fries with a knife. It's taking an hour and a half to make the fries. Some fries are crispy and some aren't because they're different sizes, but that's just how I've always made fries. It takes an hour and a half to clean up the kitchen. And sometimes I even cut my finger by accident, but it's the only way I know how to make the fries. And I've been making them this way for so long, my head is in the fries, I don't have time to think about any other way to make the fries. That's what I call crispy understanding of someone's job. Can you visualize your prospect the same way you just visualize that infomercial? If you can't, stop sending emails because you're gonna start to burn out your addressable market. How do you get to know the job that someone's gonna get done? It's a really, it's a secret, but I'm gonna tell you guys. You just have to talk to some customers. That bought within the last 45 days using an interview technique called jobs to be done, which we don't have to get into in this podcast, but you can Google it. And jobs is unique in that it's the only technique that I've ever bumped into that actually gets you to the reasons why people bought and you can't ask people why they bought because they don't know. You ask someone why they bought PX90, they'll say to lose weight, but when you do a jobs to be done an interview on them, you start to learn that they were going to their reunion and they didn't want their thighs to rub together because they wanted to hook up with the person that they never got to be with in high school. You get these really crispy nuggets <laughs> that you then use when you reach out to people. So the example that we gave earlier, when I said, hey, one of the things that podcast hosts hate about running a podcast is editing. Stuff like, and here's the crispy stuff, removing ums and ahs, normalizing audio, playing with EQ levels, tagging, creating show notes, etc. Like. The reason I know that is because I've done the job. And if you haven't, talk to some customers. Listen to inbound calls. Not about the demo, but what, what was going on that prompted someone to want to talk to a salesperson? Because that's the last thing in the world anyone wants to do. Like, what were the events and circumstances leading up to that? Nobody wakes up one day and decides to buy a $10,000 mattress or a car or expensive software. They've tried a bunch of stuff that didn't work. I want to know, like, what was the struggle? Something else you could do, something else you could do is listen to podcasts that they listen to. Like, what are they talking about? Or even attend webinars that they're attending. But you got to get closer to your customer. You can never know your customer well enough. You know, as a copywriter, one of the things that most people don't know is what copywriters talk about when we all get together isn't copywriting. We, we, we talk about the, the person we're trying to reach out to, how can we better understand them? How can we get crispy? Love that word. 
Okay, so we're talking about really understanding the struggles from your customers direct. So then we can use those small pieces of information that you said, Josh, like, for example, with the podcast, you know the, the actual issues because you've run a podcast, I run a podcast, and we know the, the pains of having to edit for hours, having to make sure everything works well, having to cut all these bits and pieces and so on and so forth. So that, that makes sense. And then are you saying that the channel that you reach out to these prospects and you put this clear message where you're understanding their struggles, you're bringing up their struggles and you're potentially showing them or you're shining a light on a better way, does the channel not matter? It depends on where the prospect is. So I typically like a, an omni-channel approach, meaning different types of channels. But for instance, if your prospect doesn't have a phone, some prospects, you can't reach them because maybe they're app developers or they just don't have phones, then the phone isn't a good channel. Right now, direct mail is not a good channel. Why is that? Because nobody's at work. <laughs> it's a pandemic. You know, um, email is a channel that you can use. LinkedIn is a channel you can use. Video is a channel you can use. But again, it's, there's not such thing as like one channel is better than the other channel. Like we discussed earlier, there's good movies and bad movies, and it depends on where your prospects are. Someone says, is the, is the, is the phone dead? I'm like, I don't know. Does your prospect have a phone? If, it, if they don't, then the phone's dead. <laughs> if they pick up the phone, then the phone's not dead. <laughs> sure. How do I know if they're picking up? The, if you're getting a connect rate over 5%, the phone's not dead. If your connect rate is under 5%, then the phone's dead. So that, that might be relevant for you, but maybe not someone else. There's not like a, you know, one size fits all to any of this stuff. Whenever you hear anyone saying, this is the way, run away. Because these are just tools in your toolbox. You ultimately have to know which ones to take out for your particular situation. Agreed. Agreed. No, that's, I, I completely agree in a multi-channel approach and knowing where your audience are. Of course, sometimes it's, it's hard to know that. For example, if you are, if you've just started your business or if you've a new sales rep or new marketing rep and you're outreaching. So I guess would, would your recommendation in that case, Josh, if you are new to your business to, to try the channels and then see which ones perform. So if you're just starting out and you've gone through the rigorous exercise of understanding what I call your boss, like your boss is really your prospect. Whenever I see cold email copy that is jargon riddled and confusing, the person sending it forgot who the boss is, right? So once you know what your, who your boss is, what their job is, what sucks about their job and what can they do now better as a result of your thing that they could not do before, once you really understand that at a crispy level and you've done the interviews, I think from an outreach perspective, if we're, if we're talking about just outbound, just outbound, uh, email's a, a phenomenal channel. Cold email's extremely effective when done right. It's also ineffective when it's not done right, like any other channel. If your prospect is on LinkedIn, that could be a good channel as well. But again, it depends. I, I would, if I recommend something, I'd start with cold email and I would leverage LinkedIn to be able to find bits and pieces of information about your prospect during the research stage to, you know, make your, your email pop more. Like it, like it. Awesome. Okay, Josh. So for anyone that's tuning in, that's perhaps thinking of starting their own business, thinking of going alone or anyone that's just started their own company, are there any tips or golden nuggets of advice that have helped you that you could perhaps share with them? Are you guys out of your minds? Get back to work. Jesus. No, I, I don't know. I can only talk about my journey. 
I've liked it. Um, I don't really have a, a take on that. Um, I'm not like a, you know, uh, Gary V or anything telling you to <laughs> work 90 hours a week. Um, you know, I've, I've had a great time uh, during my journey. I've, I've really enjoyed it. Appreciate the honesty, man. And do you have any daily habits? Quite a lot of our guests have all sorts of habits. Are there any habits that you like to follow, Josh, that I think have helped in your success in sales? Well, lately, my wife has been making me play Remy Cubes at night uh, for the pandemic. It's playing what, sorry? Remy Cubes. It's it's this tile game. uh, No, so every morning I get up, I write. uh, Every morning. I I carve out about 45 minutes to an hour to write. Okay. Um, I like to meditate. I have a bike that you can kind of see in the back there. I, I'll, ride, I'll ride that as well in the morning and I uh, have a little oatmeal. That's pretty much my routine. Nice. And you're a triathlete, right? I am. So the training behind that is pretty rigorous. Cause I think if I remember right, have you done an Ironman or you're thinking about doing one or <laughs> I did my first attempt at an Ironman about uh, 10 months ago, but I did not finish. I got 90, four miles into the bike before I dehydrated and had to get rushed to the hospital. So I will be back in, in 2021. Uh, but I have not finished a full Ironman yet. I've done several half Ironmans, a bunch of Olympics, but never have not completed. Seriously impressive dude. Still very, very (laughs) impressive. I mean, thank you. I appreciate that. I love fitness. I love health and fitness, but an Ironman just gives me nightmares. (laughs) The thought of it, man. But the point I was trying to get to was, how would you compare that to selling, marketing? Are there any lessons that you could take from the vigorous training that you put in and the strenuous, the strain that it puts on your body that we could then perhaps relate that have helped you in the sales and business world perhaps? Yeah, I mean, I think there's, a, there's something to be said for showing up consistently. I don't know if you've ever remember being in college, like on day one, there was a bunch of people in the lecture hall and then as the weeks went by, it sort of like dwindled. <laughs> like I recently, I took a master swim class before the pandemic for people, you know, masters means it's a nice way of saying old people swimming for old people, but they, <laughs> okay. they say masters, like they say filet mignon instead of cow, you know, it's just a nicer, has a nicer ring to it instead of dead cow. But I, anyway, first day there was like, I don't know, 30 people there. And then by like the last week or so, there was like 10 or 12. And I think that's a lot of times what happens with people when they're selling or doing anything is that they'll get out the gate pretty quickly, but it's the consistency. Um, You can get really ahead pretty far if you keep tinkering and you keep being consistent um, rather than just trying to do something for a day or a week. And with the triathlon sport, um, it's really all about consistency. It's not something you can cram for at the end. Fitness, especially at my age, takes a tremendous amount of time to build up. Yeah. And so, you know, taking a, a step. And uh, even when you don't want to, a lot of times I'll wake up and I just, the last thing I want to do is go on a two hour bike ride and then go run. Um, but you make yourself do it. You just go, just, you know, you, you put, get, get dressed and you just start pedaling and mm. you're on your way. And so to the extent that you can actually create tiny habits for yourself, there's a gentleman by the name of BJ Fogg out of Stanford that does a lot of work on this on how to build up habits for yourself. Um, not goals. I'm really not big into goals because goals don't really form habits, but habits form habits. Uh, so, you know, by way of example, when I first started running and started first started working out, my coach said, Hey, I just want you to get your stuff on and just go to the gym and then come back home. I'm like, what? I go, what do I have to do when I get there? He goes, nothing. 
because he knew that if I went there and worked out for an hour, I'd probably never want to go back. So the idea of building tiny habits, uh, BJ Fogg is a great person to, to read up on. Um, I think is instrumental in sports and in, in sales. Love that. Habits and consistency. Yeah. Some of the guests we've had on have um, said kind of that's, that's made me think in my mind about things like setting goals, which you said you didn't necessarily like. No, I hate setting goals. So are you not a fan of things like vision boards? No, no, like no, 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 no. I don't <laughs> like any don't, goals make me feel terrible. Cause when I don't, I just, I just build habits. When you build habits, good stuff happens. Like, I don't want to get bummed out if I set a goal and then I don't hit it. Like that's, that's going to bum me out. And the fact of the matter is, is I work as hard as I can build my habits. And then whatever I do, I do like, it's, what else am I going to do? <laughs> I don't want to, you know, get too crazy and burn myself out. Like I've never been one of these people that's like, I got to be a top, you know, I got to be a unicorn rep. Um, that's fine for people that want to do that. But most people will never be Michael Jordan. Most people will never be a unicorn rep, whatever that even means. And I'm okay with that. It's got a okay coming being, out of the head, isn't it? That's what yeah, I mean. I'm just okay. I'm okay with being average and having some time to pursue other things. Cool, man. Love that. And um, best of luck with the next Ironman because that's a seriously impressive feat. Thanks, buddy. I think uh, 2021 in Montremblant, Canada. Got my sights on. So we'll see what happens. Make it happen, man. Cool. So to wrap things up, Josh... Is there, I know we've, we've touched a lot around this, but is there one thing that businesses should be doing with digital marketing that will benefit them or sales person? Yeah, stop doing digital marketing and start understanding your prospects, job to be done and why it sucks and then just start teaching. Simple as that. Simple as that. Simple, but not easy. Definitely not easy definitely not easy. Awesome. Um, well, everyone, you've been tuning in to Sam's Business Growth Show, where we sit down with business leaders, experts, and entrepreneurs from around the world. We find out their story, how marketing's helped along the way, and their exclusive tips and insights to help them help you skyrocket your business. Josh, if you could thank just one person, either dead or alive, for having a positive influence on yourself and your career, who would that be and why? Sam Dunning for having me on his podcast. Thank you, Sam. That was really nice of you. I appreciate you. What a nice guy. That's the first time I said that. No, seriously. <laughs> I am serious. Do you want me to mention someone else? <laughs> no, we, we can stick to that for now. Okay. That was a very right. kind gesture. Cool. Thanks, dude. So, um, Josh, please do tell us a bit more about yourself, your company. I know you've got a book, your podcast, and the best way people can connect with your good self. Yeah, so hit me up on LinkedIn, and I have a guide called the Badass B2B Growth Guide, and happy to chat with you if there's anything you want to chat about. Thank you very much, sir. Thanks, Sam, for having me, buddy. Have a good one. Are you tired of constantly hunting for new customers? You could be missing out on regular inbound opportunities, all because your website isn't on the first page of Google. Perhaps you're already spending lots of money on advertising, but your website is failing to convert all of your hard-earned visitors into a consistent flow of new customers. If you'd like to learn more about our unusual approach that brings idle clients straight to you, Connect with Sam Dunning on LinkedIn or book a free 20-minute consultation via webchoiceuk.com. That's webchoiceuk.com. Subscribe today for more digital marketing, sales, and business growth tips from the experts.